located at 14 West 10th Street, Greenwich Village. This unassuming townhouse holds secrets that transcend time. It's said that Mark Twain, the literary legend himself, once called this place home. And here's where the intrigue begins. Twain is rumored to have experienced encounters beyond the realm of the living within these very walls. Now, whether Twain's ghostly tales are fact or fiction remains uncertain. But one thing is for sure, this house has woven itself into the fabric of New York's haunted history. The House of Death stands as a testament to the blurred lines between reality and the supernatural. It's a place where echoes of the past seem to linger and whispers of unexplained phenomena continue to stir the imagination. Over the years, visitors and residents alike have reported strange happenings, shadows that move on their own, inexplicable sounds in the dead of night, and a palpable sense of presence that defies explanation. But let's not get lost in the realm of folklore. The House of Death is also a tangible piece of New York's rich architectural and cultural heritage. Its striking facade stands in contrast to the modern world around it, reminding us of the layers of history that New York City conceals within its bustling streets. Now on this episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast, join Billy and Nick as they dive deep into the history and the paranormal of New York City's most famous haunt. This episode of the Swab podcast begins now. And we are back for another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast with the kittens still in the studio, about to have homes very soon. You hear them playing with the uh, the toys in the studio here that we have. I would like to welcome Nick back on to the podcast. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Bill. What's going on, man? I'm good. How are you? I am great, buddy. I am extremely tired today. And if you hear the noise in the background, I apologize. We still have the kittens from last couple of weeks uh, just sitting here hanging out, waiting for a home. Nick's taking one of them. Sure, that's right. Nick's going to take a kitten home, and I think uh, my parents are going to keep the other two. But So about another week of kitten sitting. and um, first, just, time, first time cat dad. First time. First time first cat time. dad. And just so everybody knows, Joey is not on tonight and probably won't be on next week because, just to fill everybody in, I'm going to do a little Instagram post, a little share. But uh, he's prepping for a show. Joey's into uh, men's physique. Which is not bodybuilding per se, but it's more of uh, like getting the physique to a certain level. And um, that's what Joey's prepping for. So in coming out late to film the podcast kind of like deters him from doing his things that he has before like the next two weeks, which is very big. So Joey will be taking a break for the next two weeks. And Nick will be my co-host ending spooky season next week. That's it. Halloween's coming up. That's so crazy, man. It's, I can't believe it's next Tuesday. I just can't. At the time that we're filming this, I can't believe that. You know, it's crazy, man. I, I came back from, uh, I went to LBI in July, which is my normal week vacation. We've been going there for like eight years now, seven years. And uh, we went back out for a few days. I did some side work out there. And I was like, wow, what a way to end the summer. And it feels like September just was like a blink of an eye. Oh, like definitely. We can, we can wake up the dude from Green Day. It's over. And, but... Look at this, like October's already over. And I was just at work today, like seeing the, the the leaves just seemingly changed like out of nowhere, it seems like. And Thanksgiving's coming up and I'm like, wow. Yeah, but then next week it's going to be back in the 70s again. Or is it this week? That's just this week. It's going to be up in the 70s again. It's crazy. You know what? I'm, I'm, go- I'm good for that because I got a huge job coming up this week at work. And I'd rather it be somewhat warm and sweating than it'd be freezing cold while doing what I'm about to do this week. But... Just filling everybody in with why Joey's not on tonight. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the additional episode that we did with Joe Costantino, which was really cool. We did a video. It was awesome. Nick was my cameraman. But tonight we're getting into something very interesting. Now, being a podcast out of Bronx, New York, we are just one of the five boroughs and Manhattan being one of the bigger ones has a place that's super haunted that has a lot of history to it. And it's known as the House of Death. So this segment of Nick's Notes is brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. If you want to get your own podcast out there and you need a way to do it, go to Spotify for Podcasters to find out more. And now, Nick's Notes. All right, Bill. So um, as Billy, you're alluding to, we're talking about the House of Death, right? Now, it's got a nickname for a reason. It's... uh, it's got an address. It is actually, you can find it on Zillow. You can find it on Realtor. It's not listed. Uh, it was the first thing I looked up, right? After our conversation with Joe, 
I went online and I went haunted house. And then I actually looked up the actual address and we, we type in the actual address and it comes up. And uh, unless you want 22 ghostly neighbors, it's not listed for sale. You can't buy the property. Um, originally it was one house, you know, and then it was broken into units. But so anyway, uh, I checked it out and on realtor.com, zill.com, it last sold in on a November 19th, 1973. Okay. Which is almost 50 years ago today, which is wild to me to think about that. Right. 50 years ago to me is like, 1940. I still think it like we're in the 90s. But uh, and it's listed price at the time of sale was $218,000 and that boggles my mind cuz when you know when you look at houses and land and all that stuff now $218,000 in New York City, forget about it. Forget about it in New York State anywhere right now. Um Bidenomics. Well, let's not go there. Uh inflation is super inflated. But so here's some specs, right? We just talk about the specs of the house before we get into the actual supernatural. We'll talk about the the legitimacy of the house, the things that we can prove, right? It's 9,196 square feet, which is actually a pretty big house. Um, it sits on a 3,321 square foot lot. So the house is roughly three times the size that a lot it's on. And all that means is it's it's extra lot. It's not just sitting on that. So And it also goes up. So um, it's a four-story building. It was built in the 1850s. Originally, when I looked it up, it was built in, uh, what I saw was it was built in the 1900s, but it was actually built in the 1850s. So it's right around Civil War time, actually pre-Civil War. And um, right now it's got five units listed. If you look on these websites, like I said, Zillow or Realtor, you can look and it's got five units listed. It's got GE, which is ground east, okay? Uh, two west, three west, four east, four west. But this should also mean, because there's a 10 units, that there's a ground west, a 1 east, a 1 west, a 2 east, and a 3 east, because it is a four-story building. So I'm assuming ground is kind of like a basement, because when you talk about four stories, one, two, three, four, right? Um, anyways, 10 units, 9,196 square feet, because I'm a math nerd, I went and did the math. It's roughly 920 square feet in an apartment, which is pretty decent size for New York City. Uh you know, give or take the hallways, you can reduce that down to about 900 square feet. Um, but it's it's interesting because you're looking at something that's built in the Civil War times. It had been broken up. So that's why these apartments kind of seem small because in, I believe, the 1930s is when they broke it up into these 10 units. And so you're looking at what's more realistic to a modern-ish take on the New York City apartment versus... I'm curious. People live there now, obviously, right? Yep. They I'm do so it. curious to speak to someone that lives there. It's 10 units. And, you know, like I said, nothing is... They had five units listed. I don't know. The The whole house is not for sale. The units might actually be for rent, but they only had five. So that means there's five people like guaranteed. Six grand a month guaranteed. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you 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 look at... Your, you're in your Greenwich Village. I mean, how expensive is that, right? So that's one of the more um, sought after areas when you talk about Manhattan. So that's just the specs of the house. And you know, talk about the specs of the house because one, it's kind of important to just give yourself a picture, right? We've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about a lot of places lately. We talked about Bagan's museum. We talked about, um, the Whaley house. So just to give yourself an image, I mean, you could Google it, but just to give you that image, so as you're, if you're listening, you can kind of picture if it's on a 3,300 square foot lot, obviously it can't be 9,000 around the lot because it won't fit. So it's got to go up. So you can imagine, again, four stories, 9,000 square feet. Just do the math. I mean, you can, you can get a good idea what it looks like. So now there's been some famous residents there. Mr. and Mrs. James Borman Johnston. Now, Mr. Johnston was the founder of two underground railroads. So again, we're talking about Civil War time, so underground railroads would be big things. He formed the formed, excuse me, the Metropolitan Underground Railroad and the Broadway Underground Railroad. So this is this is pretty famous because these are people that are helping to free or take slaves and free them and make them free men. And we're hiding them under, you know, Manhattan in Manhattan kind of areas. When we say underground railroads, if you can go to do history, um, anybody who's ever studied it. Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman's a big name in the Underground Railroad, but that's the major Underground Railroad, like the, the, the country's Underground Railroad. Now, these are just small offsets and offshoots that are really focused in the Manhattan area. But still, you've got somebody that's really famous that's doing what you would consider, what I would consider good work. You're taking people that should never have been enslaved and you're trying to free them. So there's also, and I'm going to skip my next one because I'll, I'll go to 
the next famous resident first, and I'll come back to this last famous resident because she is probably the one that's the most um, the most stuff out there about. I mean, there's Mark Twain who's famous, and everybody could look up a ton on Mark Twain. But he only spent real name is not Mark Twain. Notice Samuel Clemens uh, is from the South, right? Uh, but he he lived here for a year, only Mark, a year. Mark Twain was also on the walls at Horse Feathers. We can start making coincidences, and he was also the sixth born of seven brothers or seven siblings. Here we go with seven again. Well, he was number six. Doesn't matter. Still seven kids. Mm-hmm. I wonder if his dad. Yeah, I do research too. I wonder if his dad was of seven. Mm. Um, Didn't go that far. So, well, he lived. He only lives in this property for a year, but this becomes almost his all-time favorite property from 1900 to 1901, which is weird to think about when we say 1900 to 1901, Did- but. I just wanted to know real quick, did you do the research of him being here or you did other research about him himself? I did the research of him being here. Like okay, I want to throw in a little in, including to your notes. All right. So go real ahead. quick about because we're on Mark Twain. Yep. So Mark Twain, I believe prior to moving into the death house, right? The house of death. He had a a very big fascination with the supernatural. And he made kind of a little side hustle with doing research of people with supernatural abilities and things of supernatural nature. But he did it as an adequate ghost hunter. And as, as a adequate ghost hunter should, he tried to debunk. Uh, see, I have that. I have that information. So he tried to debunk things. Now, Not all you, of it, but I'm Being sure that you have that in there... I'll leave that aside. No, no, you'll probably jump in. So you can jump in and add on to what I got. But I, I, I do appreciate that because he was a skeptic, right? And we talk about this from our perspective now. Like mm-hmm. when we look at things, so if, if for you guys are listening, if you haven't caught a few of these episodes, we will eventually come around to talking about both the paranormal and the normal side of things. And none of us here on the podcast, me, you, Joey, are against the idea that these things could be real, but we always approach them from the scientific, from the skeptic side. Now, I will always go and look at my research and say, yeah, there's truth in there, whatever folklore, there's always something that it's based around. But Twain, he went in there and he was a skeptic, as you said, that this was his job, like his mental fortitude of looking at places like this or people like this was always from the skeptic side of things. So check it out. So Mark Twain, he was heavy into debunking, but he did like the supernatural. So one night, And I don't know, like, again, I don't know if this is prior to moving in or after the fact. Mark Twain would work on a boat, these these boat yards, and do these outings on boats. Steamboats. Right. He was big on the steamboat. And um, I don't know if this was actually in New York. I think he was, it was actually in... um, It's probably further south. Mississippi. Yeah, I feel like it's further south when he was on the steamboats himself. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure of the, of the state at the time. But anyways, he had this really weird dream one night where he was seeing his brother laying in a casket, dressed in a suit that was his. And a woman in the dream walked up to the casket, leaving roses. And one of those roses was a red rose. The rest of them were white roses. And um, he was getting upset in the dreams that he couldn't bear to see his mother see the loss of her child. And then he realized, I'm dreaming. And he woke up. Now, there was a certain uh, deployment or, or sailing, I guess, that he was going to go on with his brother. And he actually had to not, not go on this. And he told his brother before the departure of this, this trip, Hey, if anything goes sideways, make sure the crew is off and the guests of the boat, and then you swim to shore. This is exact words to him. And he was keeping in mind, Mark Twain, that he had this dream. And at the time, I guess you said with steamboats, that this was very common for things to happen. Steam build up and the boat blow up and something happens to the boat. And it was very common at the time for accidents to happen. Now, Mark Twain told his brother this, and his brother ended up going off on a, you know, a departure with a, with a ship, and something did happen. On that steamboat, Mark Twain's brother, who I don't have the name, sorry, lack of research, but maybe Nick can do it in the process of me talking, this steamboat that they were on 
ended up blowing up. And Mark Twain got news that this happened and quickly tried to go to the scene of this explosion of the boat. When he arrived there, there was several people that were very injured and his brother was clinging to life. Eventually, his brother died, but his brother didn't die from the ship blowing up or drowning or anything of that nature. The medics on the scene were very young and were kind of getting into the whole medical field. He died of a overdose of morphine. This is, I mean, the only brother I can find is Orion Clemens. Could have been him. Um, like I said, I'm not sure. Um, like I said, Mark Twain was one of uh, the sixth born of seven, seven siblings. So, but I'm just telling the story. So what ended up happening after his brother passed away, not, of, not because of the boating accident, he died of an uh, overdose from morphine. It has to be him because I'm reading, just so you know, there were seven kids, like you said, four of them died before reaching the age of 20, leaving only Pamela, the sister, Samuel Clemens, who became Mark Twain, and Orion. So yep, it must so be it, Orion. It had to be him. So anyways, when he died, he died again of, of overdose of morphine. The, the doctor was very young and gave him too much morphine. So he ended up dying of an overdose, which means his organs failed and that was it. At the funeral, he was buried in Mark Twain's ensemble, just like in the dream. So he had Mark Twain had a premonition of this. And a woman walked into the room and laid a dozen roses on his brother's chest with one right rose in the middle. And also all the caskets of the people that died at this, this, this tragedy were buried in these white wood caskets. But Mark Twain's brother was buried in a metal one, which was also foreseen in this dream or premonition that Mark Twain had. So Mark Twain was not a stranger to these really weird supernatural occurrences which he had of his brother's dying. He had literally had a premonition of his brother dying, and it happened. It came to light. So I just wanted to throw that in there. So just in case you're listening, folks, um, even though Mark Twain has been deceased for quite some time, we've been recruiting X-Men on a weekly basis. I think maybe we should extend a hand to the spirit of Mr. Mark Twain. Um, it sounds like he's pretty... Um, that was the only occurrence that I can... Um, come up with the, like the one thing that happened to him that was from him but uh, because we're on mark twain well yeah i wanted to throw that in there that's pretty cool i didn't see that didn't come up but i again i wasn't really focused on him in general in his life i was just kind of focused on him in the in the house uh as i said he was a skeptic he waved off listen i have co-hosts but i'm the host so i gotta do something cool eventually you know what i mean well, like, I you mean, guys have been he... really uh doing your thing so i had to like come out and be like you know let me throw some uh Listen, don't don't let Billy fool you. He does all the research behind all these things. He, I, I, he pulls I, I, the topics. Nick's been doing a boatload of research, and that's mainly because of uh, my job is very physically demanding. So when I come home, I have family things to cover. I have to rest. I have to eat. Try to hit the gym. So Nick's been doing a lot of heavy lifting, but there is a part of the week that I do the editing. I do the searching for topics, reaching out to people. Like you'll see next month, we have a... a, a very big episode with a, with a special guest that's like pretty known if you're a f tennis aficionado and things to that nature. But anyways, there's a lot of research involved and getting topics and doing the webpage and doing the audio clips and the reels and the things like that, which consume most of my day off the very next day, which would be tomorrow, Tuesday. So um, when it comes to the episode and the, the topic, I, I've been giving it to Nick to do a lot of the research. I know about the topic. I don't just blindly pick a topic and be like, all right, let's talk about this. Nick, do your research. I know somewhat some of the stuff, like Mark Twain and his his tenure of living there, which was not long. But anyways, Nick, proceed. Right. And and let's shout out Joey, even though he's not here right now. Um, he is the face he, and, and body, apparently, of the Say What I Get Really podcast. And Joey, it, these are th this month has been rough for Joe because not only is he literally like killing himself to go on the, on the stage, which is what bodybuilders do, but this is not Joe's topic. Joe is more of a ancient civilization, UFOs, alien conspiracies. This is something that he'll dabble in and he'll he'll entertain it. 
but he's a skeptic. So, you know, like he's like he's sitting here like, what are we talking about? Well, look, we got November rolling around, so you know we're going to start seeing some alien sightings because oh, it's that time of the November, year. November, we're going to refrain from the ghosts and go back to conspiracies, aliens, and well, stuff like it's that. It's the perfect time of year. Um, so back to, back to Mark Twain, right? Skeptic, he waves off a lot of the stories about this house. He's heard about this house. He waves them off. He, he even was... Um, at, in his room one day, and he's by the fireplace, is lit, and, and he's got a fire going. And the and log goes up in the, the air. The log starts to move. Now, he thinks it's a rodent, right? A rat, so yeah. he pulls his gun, which, cool, pulls his gun, shoots the log. It starts bang, bleeding. And it's bleeding. He finds drops of blood. Nothing's no, there. No animal, no human, no nothing. He even writes about it in one of his stories, but he's like in a sarcastic tone. Like, he still doesn't buy it. Dude, if I shoot something and there's nothing there and something is bleeding and there's nothing, you, you sold me on believing that, Lord, there's something. Right, and not even a trail. And then, you know, when you talk to the paranormal investigators who have gone there, they're like, well, you, ghosts don't bleed. So, but there had to be something that he shot for blood to come out of. And if it's coming out of the log, even weirder. But, um, you know, and allegedly, I bring up March Wayne because allegedly we're going to talk about the ghosts of this house. Now, it doesn't get into specifics about all of them, but allegedly he is one of and obviously the most famous ghost. He of didn't this die home. in this house. No, he did not. He only spent one year there. And I'll talk to you about exactly what he has cited and what he has attributed um, when we get to the ghost portion. Now, I'm going to go backwards a little bit, only to talk about one of the other most famous people. Um, she's an actress, off Broadway actress, mostly a writer. Uh, her name was Jan Bryant Bartell. In case you're an off-Broadway actress, like I said, she moved from 16 West 10th Street, where she was allegedly haunted, to 14 West 10th Street, where things did not get better. In fact, they got worse. Um, she has a husband? She does have a husband. Who has PTSD he, from being he, in the war. Right. World War One. No. Maybe. I didn't look up the exact dates, but I feel like it's World War One or World War Two. I did see the WWE. One of the World Wars. I'm, I'm familiar um, with her, yes. And he's got PTSD. He's never home. He's not home because of he's his job. Chef. He's a traveling right. chef. Right. Yes. And she has, she basically has clinical depression. Uh, yep. In fact, she says she's, and she's neurotic. So she's attempted suicides prior to living in this home. And when you go look later on in her life, some say she had a heart attack in her new, she did, she died in New Rochelle. The neighbors actually thought that her husband was abusing her. Right. And she became, um, what's the term for when? Shut in. No, when when a when a victim starts to Stockholm syndrome. Yes, she suffered from Stockholm syndrome, where the where she was. Well, this is was it was alleged. They don't really know if her husband was beating her or not, but people were starting to think that she was suffering from Stockholm syndrome because she was starting to sympathize from the person that was doing the abusing. But it's not confirmed. No, and unfortunately, you know, like I said. They found her in New Rochelle. She was dead. They don't know if she died of a heart attack or she had committed suicide. Um, I would go with the latter only because, again, here we go. She had mild psychic powers, according to the stories. Uh, she was much open to the paranormal, supernatural. She saw a shadow. Let me talk about that. In the Yeah, we can jump to that. She saw a shadow. And there was a lot of things happening in the house. Yep. And she kind of like put it aside, whatever. But this shadow appeared in front of her. And she grew a set and said, you know what? I'm going to go up to it and I'm going to touch it. Oh, and this I thing, knew you were going to bring this up. And this thing did not depositate. It didn't go away. It didn't vanish. She stuck her hand in the shadow. Right. And she said that there was no material. But she, even though it wasn't like she didn't feel anything, she did feel something. She was like, she said it was the hardest to describe what she felt. And her fingertips were ice cold. Right. I and, read that. And there was a certain smell in the whole nine yards. So let's get to that in one second. I really want us to space on that because a lot of the things that the, she, the way she described it stood out to me in a lot of the things that we've covered recently. And, and not so, so recently, but, you know, within the last few months. Um, so she moves to 14, right, which is the murder house, um, 14 West 10th Street, uh, where experiences become even worse. And she writes a book. And it's called Spindrift Spray from a Psychic Sea. Which did terrible. Awful. It's hard to read. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard because she meanders a lot. She's very, her mind is very neurotic. So it goes and jumps around. But it's not cheap either to buy a copy of this book. Like if you go and look for this book as a thrift book, it's like somewhere between 40 and 150 bucks. Currently? 
This was from the article I read, which was a few years ago. So I would say probably pretty close. I didn't look up the actual book to see what it's for sale for, but like the author of this article that I read was like, yeah, it costs somewhere between 40 and 150 bucks. I would not be buying it. No. Um, now she calls in, she's experiencing so much stuff. She calls in Hans Holzer. Paranormal investigator. You know where he's from? Hans Holzer? Which, which one is he most famous for? What's one of his most famous ones? Well, with the name like that, I'm assuming Germany. Mm-mm. New York. Really? Mm-hmm. Portchester, Connecticut? What's one of the biggest things in New York's been debunked from hell, the high water now? Oh, Amityville. Amityville. He's one of the original go-to Amityville people. Like, not before Ed Warren's and stuff. This is, mm-hmm. this is a guy who goes, and he's even written over 140 books um, on the supernatural, including stuff that he did when he was in Amityville. According to him, even he couldn't dispel the spirits. This is a guy who has a... And whether you want to believe it or not, that's a vast amount of experience to be able to put together material for 140 books, even if they're 30 to 40 pages, right? That's 400... No, 100 times 40 would be 4,000. So you're talking somewhere between four to 6,000 pages. God, I wish I had your math skills. So, I mean, and that's on the, the low side. If, if this guy's writing 200-page books, forget about it. You're... It's ridiculous how much you're putting into it. So at the time, he was the go-to dude. Yeah, he was the go-to guy. And he says he can't do it. Now, strange happenings that she starts talking about, right, um, Bartel, included. Foot- it starts very minimally. It starts with footstep sounds, um, a strange rotting smell, which stood out to me. Because we've talked about sulfur, and we've talked about the rotting smell. It's we a even demon, it. Sammy. Right. That's right, Dean. Um, we talked about it with, even with Joe, right? Like he talked about the basement where he, that smell, that smell that was just there. Feelings of being touched. Now, I knew you would, you would creep about that because you've talked about when you go to places and you've gotten that touch on your shoulder or the touch on your neck. Just Gettysburg. I've only been touched in Gettysburg. I'll never forget it. I got touched. Too many comments about how you've never been touched anywhere but Gettysburg. But, so rotting smell and the touch, uh, she usually said it was on her shoulder, um, by her neck. Then comes the shadow. She gets a shadow that seemed, and unless I read this wrong, maybe I just read it because I wanted to see the wording, but I'm pretty sure I read it the way she wrote it, which was darker than darkness. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we only know one kind of creature that is darker than darkness. The shadow people. That's right. And a figure, we just talked about the figure of a man, which had this solidness that she reached out and touched, and whose touch nearly froze her hand when she touches it, freezes her fingertips, doesn't dissipate, it doesn't blow into smoke and mist. Now, we talk about shadow people, inevitably we talk about shadow people, you talk about one guy, everybody sees him, whether you're on ayahuasca, or you're having a near-death experience, or you're having out of uh, sleep paralysis. The man in the hat. Right who is one that would be probably the most corporeal of the shadow people. Because even when we talk about the shadow people, there's usually, they're just shadows. Not not, not not shadow shadows, obviously darker than shadows, because mm-hmm. you can see the movement of the shadows within the darkness. But not him. He's one usually that is... More describable. Right, and more corporeal, more something that you can touch. And she reached out and touched this thing. And whether that contributed to a continued downward spiral of her mental health towards the end of her life. I don't know whether she blew it up because even back then the legends were good and she used that to write a book to try and get more famous because she was only an off-Broadway actress. Hatman didn't become famous until like the late 80s, I believe. Okay. The shadow people are probably pretty famous still for Amityville at the time. So, you know, there's a lot of shadow movement in there. So you've got me with the, the timing on Hatman, but the shadow part, that's probably something that's... Don't quote me on that timing, though. I could be dead wrong, but I didn't start really hearing about stories. It came, like, most of the stories were like, the 80s and the 90s. It got very popular in the, the late 90s to 2000s about that man in the hat, where the documentary came about not too long ago. I the wonder, Nightmare. Yeah, I wonder, if, uh, I wonder if there's a specific thing in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, it's a great time frame, but um, I don't get too off topic. So, you know, this this... What stood out to me and what I knew you were going to want to look at or at least, you know, break into a little bit of a discussion was the shadows that are darker than dark, right? And we talk about the shadow people. So now, what kind of negative energy is there we're going to get into in a minute? That's a little later on the history. Like, I had to dig a little bit to get that history, but there is some even deeper history than just the house itself. And the reason it's got its title, and we'll talk about that right now, the house of death. 
here's the most, one of the, one of the last most famous people. And that is Joel Steinberg. Now, Joel Steinberg, according to what I read, was released from his prison sentence in 2004, still living in Harlem, a uh, quiet life now. Still alive, from what I saw. Um, but according to this article... I should try to call him for an interview. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's one guy probably... I'd even go to his house. I'm nuts like that. What is he, like 90, 80? Well, I mean, if he was in his 30s and 40s in, in the early 80s, then that's, no, what, 40 no. years ago? So, so he's, he's got to be 60s, He's got to be in his 70s to his yeah. 80s now. I mean, you know... Unless we we've got some real super strength of of demonic possession or some kind of supernatural abilities, I would doubt that he's strong enough to cause a lot of havoc at this age of his life. But I've been getting a lot of luck with reaching out to people and getting interviews, so just for shits and giggles. I tell you what, I will not make a Nick's notes about that episode. Okay, <laughs> I will I will avoid that episode. All right, real life people that are killers they freak me out a little bit more than paranormal versions do. Um, so in 1981, a baby is born, Elizabeth Land- uh, Launders, Landers. Uh, the mom doesn't want to keep her, can't keep her. It's not really clear, uh, but she looks for, you know, she wants to get the kid adopted. She doesn't want to like just abandon the child. So she goes to a criminal defense attorney at the time, which is Joel Steinberg. He's a criminal defense attorney in New York. Ironic. He adopts the child. Illegally, does not go through the process, does not go. He just, you know, he says he's telling the, the, the woman he's going to find her a child, uh, find her an adoptive family. He takes the family. Now, he's got a live-in partner, and her name is Hessa Nussbaum. And um, so in 1981, this, like I said, this child's born, rechristened Lisa Steinberg because under the name of, obviously, his name, and changed her, her just Elizabeth to Lisa, which is just a shorthand version, dies in 1987. This is a six-year-old. Six-year-old dies. There's a call that comes in from 14 West 10th Street. Child's unresponsive. They get there, dead on arrival. Like the kid is dead by the time they get there. Um, Had been cracked in the head. It comes to light that, um, you know, he was high on crack at the time. And he had hit her in the head, which eventually killed her. Unfortunately, right? We don't like to talk about Death in general, but especially kids, right? Obviously, he gets disbarred because he gets he gets convicted, he gets arrested, gets convicted of this, and allegedly he also beat his live-in partner, Hessa Nussbaum, and they had adopted another legal adoption of another baby, baby Mitchell. Uh, roughly, it, it was a baby at that point, so roughly 1987, and he was neglected. So this guy, obviously, he was addicted to a lot of things, cracks specifically, and he became very aggressive and ended up killing this girl on property. She died on property. So that's where the murder house name comes from. All right, so when we talk about the murder house, it's because the six-year-old little girl was unfortunately murdered there. And again, we don't really like to talk about child death, but that is what's attributed to the name murder house. All right, now that I've gone and completely gone down that dark road, let's talk about the ghosts, or at least some of the famous ones that I could bring up. Mark Twain is the most famous ghost, and I mean that probably by notoriety of the person themselves and um, most description. And because it is, he's dressed in a white suit. You talked about the white roses before. He's dressed in a white suit. I mean, he's characterized as always having a white suit. Like if you look up Mark Twain, usually in a white suit like his caricature of the person himself. Like when you look back in history, he's got that white suit. He was known for it. He's been seen on the first floor and near the staircase. Now, he's actually seen in the 1930s by a mother and a daughter. And the mother and the daughter, he he appears and they hear, um, did I write down the quote? I thought I did. Maybe I didn't, but I, oh, here it is. Claims attribute. Um, the following quote to him. My name is Clemens, and I got business to settle. And then he just disappears. So, obviously he was only there for a year. He had a lot of, he really did enjoy this house. Like, he really, like, this was one of his favorite places. When he got the, when he was there, he filed for bankruptcy. 
which would not be on my top lists of where I would love to go back to. Not because of his of his work. He was making money off his work, but he was investing in the wrong things. So eventually he was losing money and had to file for bankruptcy. So that claim of him saying what he said to the, the, the mother and daughter is because the, he thinks that he then in the afterlife, he returned to the house to try to settle his debt in the afterlife, which is miserable to think of nowadays. Because when I'm when I'm long and gone and I my time is coming. I am not coming back to I'm pay off my bills. I'm not coming back to pay more bills. No. No. When I'm in the ground, I'm not paying another bill. Um which is it but it's odd to me that he comes back because he's the most off reported spirit. And you know, you're saying it's about a debt. The way I read it is he's kind of like I know he was a skeptic, but maybe he's coming back because he's got some unfinished business in this house. Maybe he knows, maybe he really did end up believing near the end of his life that this was real. You don't know. Like we play skeptic now when even even a lot of the times you watch and you hear stories of atheists going, please, no, don't take me. Well, who are you talking to? Right? You didn't believe your whole life. And in the very end, in the last moments when you know you're gone, you're still calling out for help. And I'm not knocking atheism. I'm just saying, like, in general, that's a perfect example. Like, what are you calling out to? The universe? Are you calling out to a higher being? So even playing skeptic your whole life, in your most needed moments, your most needy moments near the end, when you know it's the end, and you'll know, usually if unless there's some serious problem where it's just like incident, you know, when it's almost your time, what are you calling out for? And all of a sudden you're not a skeptic anymore. Now you're a believer because you, you need to believe it's an intense desire to not want to leave. So, um, there's that, right. And then, and I, I feel like he's got positive energy. We've been talking a lot about negative energy lately. I feel like he's connected to this place with positive energy because he really enjoyed this. And you've talked about this before. Like people go to Broadway shows or they'll go to certain parks and they'll, they'll, spirits will stay there because of how much positive energy they had. Now, maybe not the show, but the theater itself because we have a lot of older theaters in New York City. So that's Twain. There's a few other spirits that get named. There's a gray cat, which is usually held by a lady in white. Okay. And then there's a young child. Now we've talked about, well, you've talked about, I don't think I was on these episodes, but a lady in white, it's a pretty famous story. Um, usually she's cheated on. She loses her mind. She ends up killing the children. And when she kills the children and wakes up from this stupor that she's in and realizes the children are dead, she loses her mind again and then kills herself. Yeah. Something tragic usually. Right. Some brings it, the, yeah, it's usually involved the kids, not just the kids, but something tragic. And she, she's, she, Oftentimes, at least from what I remember reading up on, she's not aware that she's the one that did the tragedy to the children, but because she can't live without the kids because she's finally come back from that psychotic break. Except for Lala Rona. She well, knows she drowned the kids. Right. But I mean, that is the most famous. The other, the other tales that stem from that, we kind of, I don't know if it's our nature to try and protect, you know, that motherhood aspect of where like you would never do that and then actively know it. And so that if you saw it, you would go back and be like, I can't believe I did that. Or you're repressing it, knowing you did it, and you just don't want to admit it, and you can't live with it. And so with the guilt, you kill yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I found it interesting that you have the lady in white, you have a young child, the gray cat, whatever. I mean, it's just, they just mentioned a gray cat. But Even the, the White House got a ghost cat, supposedly. Right. right. So, I mean, animals. And a ghost now. Animals. Actively well. leading the country. But that's for another thing. As another month worth of podcasts. <laughs> so, um, but the lady in white, right? So the story is, right, a, a dead child. And what did we just talk about? Murder House got his name over a dead young child. So I found it real interesting that it's a lady in white and a young child. And not it, not just any lady, but a lady in white. And to me, that triggers like the story of La Llorona and the story of all the ladies in white, right? So... Maybe I'm making a jump. Maybe I'm making an assumption. But maybe this is also... I don't know if she's still alive. I don't think she is. But the partner of Steinberg... Joel. Joel. Right. And Lisa Steinberg, the child that died. And, or maybe it's even the mother, the original mother of the real mother, like or the biological. Maybe, or maybe it's the girl all grown up that she got her life taken and she coming back in her adult spirit form. And child. And, and you see both. I mean, that's possible too. But it's just... To me, it struck as this for sure was related to the actual murder. Like these two particular ghosts were 
I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it. What do you think? I mean, it's it's possible, man. I mean, maybe it was the other adopted child, which was a girl too, yeah? Mitchell was a boy. It was a boy? Yeah. You know, it could be her growing up. It could be her with the mother there living in the house that they never really got a good shot at of life. Their life was burdened by a psychopath who drank, who not drank, uh, who took crack Mm-hmm. And, you know, ended up offing them in the place. Or some some other two women from when the place was built in the late, what, late 1800s? 1850s, yeah. Eight, yeah, so could possibly. I mean, I just, I found it interesting, that particular combination, given the circumstances in the house. Now, there's one more thing, and it's not a... It's it's more of the rumor that it's connected to, and this is where we're going to get into where I dove a little further into the history of the house and the property. Rumors connect Washington Square Park, which is where this property is located, to a burial ground for early colonists. Now, for a long time, there was no evidence, but recently they've been digging up and they've been hitting things in Washington Square Park that show that this was a burial ground. The New York Post, in an article published not too recently, not too far, not too long ago, rather, uh, a year ago, October 22. According to Carmen N., um, research librarian who's quoted in the article, from 1797 to 1820, the eastern two-thirds of Washington Square Park, which wasn't called Washington Square Park at that time, was a potter's field. Now, potter's field is where you bury um, people you don't know. They are marked graves. Usually, you don't know who they are. And it's usually the poor. Paid $4,500 for this big plot. You can imagine this again in New York City. Think about this now nowadays. And originally, it was purchased for 5,000 bodies. According to the reports, they ended up finding or burying roughly four times as much, 20,000 bodies in this two-thirds of this park. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of unfinished business, probably. In Washington Square... Park. The eastern two thirds of Washington Square Park, according to this article. You know, it's crazy. I haven't, I've never come across of not one story. I could be wrong, of Washington Square Park being haunted. Which is interesting because I don't know if you heard, there's an organization called New York City Ghosts. Possibly back in the day when I started, I probably might have seen them. Well, they operate tours in Washington Square Park, and they talk about this. I've never heard of this. Yeah, so um, the poor and the unidentified are buried here. Like I said, originally it was 5,000 graves. We might have to take a trip to the city. Although it's at an untimely time where I've been told by friends that work in a certain particular group in New York City to avoid the city at all costs, but we might have to make a trip. Yeah, right now. Which will make me extra fun. Right, might be. I mean, we'd have to be avoiding things and dodging things. But So again, originally planned for 5,000. They have up to about 20,000 there now because of... and. It triggered a memory of me from the last time we were doing some research, or not the last time, but a few times ago, outbreaks of yellow fever. Is that not why, remind me, maybe you remember, because I, I didn't go look at my notes from the episodes, but isn't that why Washington Irving left New York City and they went to Sleepy Hollow? Because it of is. an outbreak of, uh, that's what I thought. And I'm pretty sure it was in 1797, because there was four outbreaks of yellow fever in the city. 1797, 1798, 1801, and 1803. The reason why the number went up so fast is because this, obviously this, you know, virus, this pandemic was spreading and took a lot of lives because back then they didn't really have any kind of treatment or any kind of cure for yellow fever. And so you go from 5,000 to 20,000. Um, and there, if you go into the article, if you delve into the article, they talk about a few construction workers like tripped and like we're digging. Con, in fact, it's Con Ed um, was digging, and they actually they accidentally disturbed the site. And I'll get to that in a second. So that's that's the the Mass Potter's grave, right? And there's also something called Hangman's Elm, which is in Washington Square Park. It's near um, the northwest the northwest entrance to the park. Marquis de Lafayette. Hope I said that right. De I'm pretty Lafayette. sure. Yep, French. Okay, he is said to have hanged 20 horseback robbers from this elm that still sits on the property, okay? Um, and the Marquis's ghost is still seen, allegedly, with a look of satisfaction on his face for having hanged all these robbers outside the Washington Square Park. Again, now we're talking about where this property is near, 20,000 bodies, 
including people that were violently killed. Whether they were criminals or not, they were violently killed. Hanging is a violent way to die. So uh, there was at least one definitive hanging in off this elm tree. And in 1818, Rose Butler was hanged for allegedly attempting arson. Attempted arson. Not arson arson. Not successful arson. And the, well, actually it was successful in the sense of it burned like two stairs of this person's home. Two stairs. Like, that's it. Very minimal burning that actually occurred in this arson. Hanged. This is the last official hanging on this tree. Okay. Sounds like they didn't take crime lightly back in the day in New York City. No, and I really feel like she was, it was her former master's house. So, like, this is probably a freed, um, you know, formerly freed slave or a freed person. Yeah, it's kind of like you you had no shot. The justice was weighed against you no matter Mm -hmm. what. Um, 1826, they rechristened the name of this park because they want to get away from this negative history. This is when it's named Washington Square Park. It's reopened in 1826, Washington Square Park, 1965, so now almost 150 years later, Con Ed workers accidentally disturbed this site. They bang into it, and they've been finding bone shards and bone fragments from hundreds of bodies. So it's not like Oh, it's like one person's bone shards here, and then they were spread out over here. No, I'm hundreds dumbfounded because I've never heard this about Washington Square Park. Now I'm like intrigued to like go there and see like what monuments and what's there. Because so what of this negacy? What what I found interesting is all this negative energy that's probably pent up because Potter's Field's going to have negative energy, and um, but how is this intertwined with? Well, the- because it's near West Fort, uh, West Tenth Street, so you know you don't know if even the ground that it's permeated on is coming up. Because so you're saying house, that this house possibly could be built on grounds yeah, that, that... Were burial sites. Wow, yeah. And that would definitely bring the negative flow. I mean, think about Bartel, right? She went from 16 to 14. It's not typical for a spirit to follow a person and then a place or a place then a person. Like, it's either going to be in the place or on the person. It would have... If it was following her, it would have went to New Rochelle as well. If it was following the place, it wouldn't have jumped from 16 to 14. Usually, you know, and all the things that we talk about, it's stationary. Not that it's stationary, like it doesn't move around inside the house, but it's in that location. Well, if you've got 20,000 bodies buried in the ground where all these things are built, you've got plenty of locations you can go to because you're on top of all this negative energy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's more or less where I, what I dug up, no pun intended, um, on this on this house and the history of the ghosts and all the negative energy that can be flowing through it. So there was quite a lot of things in there. Energy is a big thing when it comes to and the history of a lot of these locations. And it's a very, very plausible idea that that house is which looks like a building. Really it does. Mm-hmm. Is built on something. But then why that house? And not the other houses that are next to it. You literally see the picture of, you know, of this house, and it's next to a house that's identical in architecture. Right. So I don't know. You know, you could. I wonder have- if that block, if like you were just interviewing people coming out of the houses there, like if there's more stories, if there's more stories. Well, again, you know, Bartel came out of sixteen and said she was haunted, and then she went to fourteen, which is I think across the street. Or around the corner, you know, down the corner from each other, like across the corner from each other. So, you know, I would imagine it's got to be the street or at least that that block in between the street. And what I found really interesting with that negative energy, like I said, was the fact that it was built on this burial ground, allegedly. And so you can have all this stuff that pops up. And why that house in particular? Well, you can have focal points, right? You can create Focal points. How do you create focal points? More negative energy. Draw the negative energy in. Well, how do you create negative energy? I would say killing a six-year-old would probably do it. I think the history of that house and the people that were intertwined with it, it's enough energy to, to create that focal point at you know the house of death. Right. Plus, all these people that allegedly had openness or power or um, psychic ability... You know, I didn't know that about Twain or he had the premonition. having a sickness like depression. Right. And then allegedly the depression came from the fact that she was psychic and, 
you know, maybe she didn't, because obviously there wasn't that much uh, understanding of those kinds of abilities. There's not so much understanding now, but even less so then where you were looked on as like, oh, you're hearing things? You're hearing voices. You must be mentally unstable. Let's give you an electric shock versus well, maybe you're just hearing things because you're hearing spirits or what have you. So, you know, but that's not, that's not believed back then. That's like, go to the asylum, put the electrodes on either side of your head and go, whoop, and then lobotomize basically through electricity. So it's, it's weird and it's wild. And is it more properties? Probably. I bet you if you stood out and you started going through the digging the history of these other properties on that same block, you may not find as much, but you're going to find some. I think we have to take a trip to Washington Square Park. I don't know how we it would not be no paranormal investigation. It would be just more of a sightseeing, seeing what monuments are there. Unlike Van Cortland Park, where you can walk at ten o'clock at night and no one is there, Washington Square Park is gonna have people in there and it's gonna always be loud. It's impossible to do an investigation there. But it's good for sightseeing and taking some pictures. I wish I'd known this. I never knew that about Washington Square Park. That they found bodies there and none of that. Maybe Something came up and I read it and I'm like, mm, interesting and just never looked into it. I personally don't like the city. I Me go either. there. It, would be, it takes food or like someone calling me to say, yeah, we got a haunted house. Let's go. You know, we need you to investigate. That's what it would take for me to go there. Even before all the craziness where like my friends that work in a certain organization in New York City that protect and serve are telling me, yeah, avoid the city because crazy things are going to happen or possibly happen there. there. There's only ever two reasons I ever went down to the city to go see a Broadway show because, I mean, you really can't beat it there. And then uh, I would go to the movie theaters down there because the movie that the we have one of the biggest IMAX screens in the world in Manhattan and it's always fun to watch a movie on there because uh, it's a 75-foot screen. I wish I could afford a 75-foot screen. I would never leave, but... Um, it's, yeah, it does, it, it's hard for me to go down to the city. I actually would, me personally, would just avoid any place of entertainment at this point with everything going on. Yeah, yeah I'm sure right. everyone is privy to what I'm talking about. But for food and paranormal investigations, that's how you win me over to go down to the city. I'll now hop on the express bus, probably, or maybe drive. I think I'll pay the congestion fee. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, drive myself down Yeah, a new way there. to screw New Yorkers. Let's pay. Let's let's tax people for driving in their city where they potentially live is absolutely mind-boggling, but that's for another episode. Yep. So the uh, House of Death, very well done, Nick. Very well done. Thank you. You uh, dug up a little bit. So you like you dig up these things and you you dig up a little bit more and you and you course it into a very good talking point. We know what it is when you when you start doing research and if you can get your hands on physical research it's always so much better like you know last week when we were talking and I had the actual you know newspaper clipping that had been uploaded and I could look at those are so much better because they're more primary sources but when you when you still when you look at up secondary sources you start to go down rabbit holes and what a lot of people do when they go on Google and it's just a habit you click the first two things yeah you don't really see not helpful and we've learned more than ever in the last what 8 years 10 years is that that's the algorithm. If you no, not only that, I'm just saying that you go past the first eight or ten searches, right? And there'll be like certain news outlets mm-hmm. or certain newspaper outlets. Yeah. And those are the considered the air quotes reputable ones. Mm-hmm. So then when you go further, like page three, now you're at the oh, those aren't reputable sources. Well, like, because they're not paying to be reputable sources. Yes. That's so, the thing. They're not paying. So you ignore Whatever's written in there because right. they're, you know, defined as unreputable. That's part of the reason why people don't really dig. Right. I mean, and then, you know, if you don't know how to limit your search, it's going to go on for thousands. You see, of pages, I'm actually but... talking like it's November already. Well, getting you primed. Yeah. Get it? Get primed? It. Get, get it? Ah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. But Nick, that was an amazing job on the House of Death. And um, we got to go. Check it out one day, drive by there, maybe hit up a dinner spot down there and go to Washington Square Park and be like, oh, we talked about this place. I've never seen it. I've actually never seen the Ghostbusters house in Manhattan. I was supposed to go one day and the weather it was like atrocious. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pass. But Is that any Saturday in New York right now? I, I, You know what? If I would go to see the Ghostbusters house, it'd have to be on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday and or a day that I just have off. You know, that's not... A, a day of a, actually Tuesday Wednesday I couldn't even go 
for certain reasons. But I'm trying to get some openings to do things. And I would like to do a paranormal investigation just to see Joey's face in a, in a, in a real haunted house. Oh, I really, I would love it. I would love it. We, I, I, I will film it. I will. I don't I, care if my arms fall off. We had one experience together where we were seeing something, and we got we debunked it towards the end. And we're like, "Damn!" And he was bugging him out. He was bugging me and Mike out because Deluna was there. And um, but I want to go to like inside of like a haunted house overnight and just see how like his reactions. Oh, and, you got to go into like one of those penitentiaries. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to plan something out, something big. But it was very well done. Your notes, your your Nick's notes are impeccable. Thank you. And I'd like to thank you and Nick's notes, Nick yourself, for doing all that. And I'd also like to thank Spotify for Podcasters for giving us the opportunity to talk about one of the most haunted places in New York City, the House of Death. If you haven't heard about Spotify for Podcasters, it's the outlet that lets you get your podcasting idea out there. It is completely free, and you can also make money by using Spotify for Podcasters. Just simply download the app and figure out how you can do all that. That is what the Say What Again Billy podcasts use. So if you want, if you have a podcast idea and you need a way to get it out there, download Spotify for Podcasters. Nick, thank you for your Nick's notes and uh, doing the monologue. Yeah. Popped, you popped your monologue cherry today. That was an interesting one. I appreciate the opportunity, my man. Um, I was too exhausted today. I am very tired. I, I drank coffee and I am like sitting here like I, I, I can't describe like the way I felt the last two weeks. I've just been physically tired. I think this was actually brought on by a cold that I recovered half-assed from. And I am just so tired. So like my days off start tomorrow. Where I will be tonight, being that I'm getting home early, trying to clip the reel and put it on the Instagram page, which is SWAB underscore podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want to hit the webpage up, swappodcast.com. I'm going to try to get the reel done tonight, clip an audio, and then tomorrow do nothing but do a little clean, gym, and play Spider-Man 2 for the whatever time I have. Oh, it's so good. It's, you got I've it? Only, I've only played for a few minutes. Like I'm, I'm playing like when my kids go to sleep. I heard the I, tutorial for the beginning is like a sick fight action scene. Oh, I'm not ruining anything. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's dope. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I enjoyed Spider-Man, the first one, and Spider-Man, Miles Morales. So this one is like, I'm not even a big Spider-Man fan, but like, I get this game. Let me just tell you, the only thing I don't like, and it's not for any reason, I don't like, it's not like I don't like the actor, but they made the character look like Tom Holland now. Yeah, I like, you see, I, I got the Spider-Man game. I know we're going off subject for the remainder, a little bit left of the episode, but I actually enjoyed the the way he looked in the original before they remastered it and made right. him look younger. The like, actor was Yuri, what, I can't remember his whole name, but Yuri was the actor, I think it's his first name. And then they changed his likeness to look more like Tom Holland because they're playing off of Tom Holland. It doesn't Holland. really look like Tom Holland. I think he looks more like Tom Holland in the second one. Um, and then I think uh, the actor, I think, is Shameek Moore. Shameek Moore for Miles, Miles Morales. Morales. Yeah. I think he looks a lot like him now. Did you see that they put the Cuban flag instead of the Puerto Rican flag? And, they're, and they and they caught on to it. And the devs are like, we apologize. We're going to update. They put the Cuban flag oh, instead I didn't of see the Puerto that. Rican flag. I didn't see that. Because Miles Morales is Puerto, Puerto Rican. He yep. grew up in, 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 in Spanish Harlem. Yeah, which I'm still jealous of his apartment. If you've ever played the game, I know we are really off topic. But if you've ever played Miles Morales, the game, when you look at his apartment in Harlem... I wish I could afford an apartment that looked like that. Listen, Manhattan apartments are ridiculously overpriced. And there is like no chance in hell unless this podcast blows up that any of us are living in Manhattan. Nor do I want to. No, I'll take a brownstone outside of Manhattan. But if I did make it big and I got a little extra money, I would definitely treat everybody, everybody and their wives to for a big dinner out in Manhattan at some nice place that I don't even know about. I only know about one restaurant in Manhattan. And I'm going to attempt to say the name, and that's um, La Portaforma Chucatseria, which is on 47th between 8th and 9th, a very great Brazilian re uh, restaurant that I've been to on two occasions or maybe three. And it's like the best Brazilian like steakhouse experience I've ever been to. Like the amount of meat that comes out and chicken. And you like beef. your meat. I love meat. Pause. But I mean, all I mean, sirloins, ribeyes, skirt steaks, you name it, it's coming out. I had squid there. I had you like chicken wrapped with bacon. It was like amazing. Man, it, Joey's I, worst nightmare. 
Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I wouldn't take him there because of, but there is. Joey would say, "Can I? Can I just have that one?" There leaf? is a salad bar, but I wouldn't pick a spot like that where he would be like, "I can't eat," and watch no, everyone eat. Like, look, and we're not making fun of Joey. He's he he really is dedicated to it. It's just that's not the kind of place for him. No, it's not. I'd have to pick like a very uh, a spot that has options for Joey. But if we ever made it big, that'd be the only reason I go down to Manhattan is to eat, not for a living. I don't know. I God bless everybody that lives in Manhattan. Honestly, it is. I mean, public transportation. You can't really own a car. I mean, like, I don't I, I know. How I mean, I walk there. everywhere now, but I can't. I wouldn't be able to do it down but there. But apparently, spirits like to live there. They do. They do. And you know what? I'll tell you what. I mentioned getting a brown house. I will not get the brown house on West 10th Street. No, thank you. Absolutely not. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we have one spooky season episode left. And that is next Monday, the day before Halloween. That's right. Halloween Nick Eve. Nick and I, and I'm working on a guest that will join us. Nice. We'll be talking about all things Halloween on the eve of Halloween. Next Monday on the Say What Again Billy podcast. And until next time, this has been another episode of the Swab Podcast and an impeccable segment with Nick's notes. Thank you very much. Everybody, enjoy the night. Mm-hmm.